Hallelujah. Well, that's so great of Ace just to be like, no, let's take authority. You know, so many of us just don't use the authority God has given. You know, I think of the, the story when Jesus calmed the seas. What, what did the disciples say? Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? And he's given that same authority, the authority that he used on this earth. He said, all authority has been given unto me. Now you guys go. Go and take it. And, you know, I, I think of the heritage that I come from. And I went to, to school at Rama Bible College down in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And it, every year they have an event called Rockets Over Rama. And it's one of the biggest festivals in the state of Oklahoma. They let off all kinds of fireworks over the 4th of July. And there's been so many of those weekends where, you know, we, Oklahoma and Tulsa in particular is in what they call Tornado Alley. They have lots of violent storms that come through. And there's been so many years where it was like the weather is not looking good and and uh, Lynette Hagen Mrs. Hagen she would always say nope it does not rain during rockets over Rama. there are no storms during rockets over Rama. and for over 40 years it has never rained during that three-day conference and that festival because that's something they put on for their community it's like it can rain during the week it can rain some other time we need rain rain is good my grass is a little crunchy we need some rain doesn't mean it needs to rain during your event it can rain while you're sleeping right farmers need rain and God gives rain you know but it can happen when it's in it's in a convenient time that doesn't stop you from doing what you're supposed to be doing and it all comes down to what we've been talking about faith do you believe God has given you that authority most Christians don't they're waiting on God to do something and when he's saying I've already given you the power I've already given you the authority. What are you willing to do with it? And so we've been talking about faith. And for those of you who didn't come to our refresh meetings on Monday, you missed out on a lot of great things to strengthen your faith. And during my session, I was preaching on contending for faith. So many Christians are passive and inactive. And we talked about that earlier in the year, that so many Christians are sitting back just waiting, oh God, would you please do something, when he's given you the faith to move the mountain. Jesus said, if you say to the mountain, be removed. He didn't say if he says to the mountain. And so we're waiting on God to do things he's already told you to do. And he won't step into your place of authority that he's given you. Just like I don't clean my boy's room. Come on, let's bring it down to if he, God's the father and we're the kids. Yeah. I don't do for my kids what my kids should be doing. That's how you raise spoiled brats who are useless to society. And I have no interest in doing that. I don't clean their dishes. They clean their dishes. They do their laundry and they clean their room. Why? Because that's a reasonable responsibility that has been given unto them to help train them and grow them to be productive members of society. God has given you power and authority to train you and to grow you. Why? Because you've been called to rule and reign with Him. He is the King of Kings. He's the high priest over the priests of His organization, His kingdom, which are you. And come on, you're going to be ruling and reigning with him for eternity. You might as well use your, learn to use your authority and your power now that he's given to you. Why wait until then and have to learn? 
You know, it just popped into my mind. I remember Jesse Duplantis, he wrote a book called Heaven, Close Encounters of the God Kind. And it's about an experience where God took him to heaven and shared some things with him. And he walked around heaven with Jesus for a few hours. And he came across the Apostle Paul sitting there teaching believers who didn't know what was actually in the Bible. Paul was still sitting there teaching them those things. You don't learn them now, you're going to have to learn them later. Because the truth is the truth is the truth, and it doesn't change just because you chose not to learn it. Okay, come on. So I was preaching on Monday on contending for the faith. And those, those messages will be available earlier this week, early in the week. I'll get them uploaded and ready to go. But we were talking about how Jude said, he said he was talking about our common salvation. He was talking to believers, and then he said, I found it necessary or needful to exhort you and remind you to contend for the faith which has been delivered to us all. Jesus has already given you all the faith that you will ever need to live victorious in this lifetime. Paul said in Romans chapter 12 that God has given each of us the measure of faith. You've got all the faith that you will ever need and you had it before you even became a Christian. He gave you the ability to believe. The faith you used to receive Jesus and step into the kingdom, he already had given to you. It's not even your faith. Galatians 2 says that I am dead and my life has been hid in Christ. And the life I now live, that new believer life, that new creation life, is simply me living by the faith of God. His faith. He gave it to you to use. And so Jude said, contend, have a little fight, get a little backbone, stand up for yourself and be active. The time of passive Christianity has to go. There's been a shift within the body of Christ since COVID where people have become so passive. When I'm not just talking about our church, I'm talking about the church worldwide. Christians have become so passive and unwilling to fight for what God has given them. You need to tell the devil to take a hike. You need to tell sickness, not my house, you can go. Come on, the book of Psalms says that sickness shall not come nigh my dwelling. It says that 10,000 can fall at one side and 10,000 of the other, but it won't be me. Come on, we have to have the same boldness as that psalmist did. He knew what belonged. He said, I'm not going to put up with that. I'm not going to be afraid of the arrow that flies by day and the darkness, the the pestilence that lies in darkness. I'm not going to be afraid of those things. Why are Christians so mealy-mouthed these days, unwilling to stand up and say, no, devil? Oh, come on. Am I preaching to myself this morning? So Jude said, contend. To contend is to fight, to fight for that faith. Paul told Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. He didn't say, wait and just let God do his thing. No. Jesus said, go into all the world. Preach the gospel. Preach the good news to everyone, anyone who will listen, and these signs will follow. You can go read that in Mark. So we're talking about faith. And last week we started talking about the opposite of faith, and that is doubt and unbelief, which are the thief of God's blessings. Doubt and unbelief in your heart will stop the hand of God from moving in your life. And so many people don't like that concept. No, no, God can do whatever he wants to do. Yeah, if you let him. 
And I know Christians don't want to hear that because they're waiting for sovereign God to do the things that only He can do. But like I said, He will not do the things He already told you to do. And so it, doubt and unbelief actually stop God's blessings in your life. They stop God from moving. So turn over with me to Mark chapter 6. And we reference this briefly, but we're going to take a deeper look at it this morning. Mark chapter 6, and it starts off in verse 1. It says, Then he went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. Where is the there that he went out from? This is Mark chapter 6, which comes after... Mark chapter 5, amazing how that works. Numbers go that direction. Mark chapter 5, what did he do? The woman with the issue of blood has just crawled through the crowd saying, if I can just get to Jesus, I will be made whole. And so she fights through the crowd, which she shouldn't be in. She shouldn't be in that crowd. She was deemed unclean, which meant she was not allowed to be in a crowd of people. If there were people near her, she would have to cry out, unclean, unclean, so that they could move. By law, she was not allowed to be in that crowd. But faith rose up in her heart, and she said, if I can just get to Jesus, I will be made whole. And so she fights through the crowd. She grabs the hem of his garment, and she's made whole. And Jesus says, whoa, who touched me? And his disciples say, Jesus, you're in the midst of a crowd. Everybody's touching you. And he knew, he didn't mean someone was just going like this. Someone had placed a demand on the anointing, a demand on the power of God, and it pulled out of him. And so he looked around, who touched me? And the, the woman knew that she had been made whole, and she came and she knelt down before Jesus and said, it's me. And he, he said to her, woman, your faith has made you well. He didn't say, my faith has made you well. He said, your faith. You used the faith that you had been given and you placed the demand on the Lord and you got what you believed for. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. Goes on a little bit further. Jesus goes and raises Jairus' daughter from the dead. People are over there wailing and moaning, oh, she's dead. And he said, no, 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 she's not dead. She's just sleeping. Get up, darling. Raises her from the dead. And then it says, then he went out from there. So Jesus is coming out on a high of wonderful miracles. Powerful things have just happened. And he's now coming out into his own country from there. And his disciples are following him. And it says, and when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things from? So he's, what he's doing, he's sharing stories. And it says, and what, what wisdom in this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands. Now this is, this is not them seeing the mighty works, because in a few verses it tells us he did no mighty works right here. He's sharing testimonies to try and stir up their faith. That's why we share testimonies. Because what God has done for one, he'll do for another. He is no respecter of persons. He's a respecter of the word. What has the word said? Are you willing to believe it or are you not willing to believe it? That's the only category. Those who have faith and those who are unwilling to use it. And so we see Jesus' miracles. He says, oh, that was great faith. And then he asks the disciples, how is it that you have no faith? 
I've given it to you. How come you're not using it? There's only two categories of people. People who will, are willing to believe what Jesus said and people that are unwilling to believe. And that's called doubt and unbelief. And when he had come the Sabbath, he begins to teach and he's telling them about these miracles, these mighty things. And they're just like, wow, I've never heard such things. This is, this is ridiculous. And then the verse three, it says, hmm, they began to think and they go, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And, and are not his sisters here with him? And it says, so they were offended at him. Everyone say offended. offended. They were offended at Jesus because he's saying, guys, listen, what just happened? We just rose, raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. This woman, man, she had been in that condition for a long time, and she reached out by faith and grabbed hold and was made whole. He's telling these stories, and they go, uh, but this is Jesus. We know him. And, you know, you really have to be careful because familiarity breeds contempt. And it even happens within churches. The longer you've been with a pastor, you begin to get familiar. You know how I tell my stories. You know the stories I've told. And you just kind of go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the word is the word is the word is the word. It doesn't matter how well you know me or how well you don't know me. God's word doesn't change. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever because it's with Jesus. It was the word made flesh. And so we can become familiar with ideas, and the longer someone has been a Christian, it's really easy to become so complacent and inactive. And you begin to hear their stories, and their stories of miracles are usually when they were younger Christians. And as time went on, they've lived off of yesterday's blessings rather than living in the moment today. And so here in his hometown, they were offended at him because how can he raise the dead? How can he heal the sick? It's just Jesus. We know him. And it says they were offended at him. That word offended is the word scandalizo in the Greek, and it means to put a stumbling block or an impediment in the way. What did they put it in the way of? Between them receiving those same mighty works in their town that just happened in the last. They put a stumbling block or an impediment in the way. You know who didn't put that stumbling block there? Jesus. And some people are waiting on Jesus to do things when they've put up the walls and saying, no, I just, I just I only believe once I've seen. That's not faith. And so they put a stumbling block or an impediment in the way. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and his own house. And so Jesus recognizes the problem. It's like when I did this in the other town, they weren't familiar with me. They just cared. They heard me preach and they believed. But because they know me, they don't honor the gift that God has given to me to give to them. And it says... Now, he could do no mighty work there. Now, most of us would prefer if that said, he would do no mighty work there. This is Jesus we're talking about. He's unlimited. He can do anything, anything you're willing to believe him for. The things that you're not willing to believe him for, his hands are tied. Oh, come on, it's getting quiet here in this old Baptist church. He could do no mighty work. He could do no mighty work. Why? Because they were unwilling to believe. 
And he said, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And the idea we get from that, those verses is that they were just like minor miracles, you know, hang, doing it, maybe a hangnail, maybe a headache there, you know, whatever. But we're talking about he just raised the dead. He's, he's made the blind see in other towns. He's made the lame walk, the deaf hear. But in his own town, because of their unbelief, he could do no mighty work. And the same way today, God cannot do any mighty work in your life if your unbelief stands in the way. It says, and he marveled because of their unbelief. He shook his head at it. Guys, come on. Don't put that stumbling block in the way. He marveled at it. And it says, then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. And this is an important note, and I said it last week and I'll say it again. If you're struggling with unbelief, what you need is to hear again and learn again. He went about a circuit, a circle, teaching, meaning he taught in this town, this town, this town, this town, this town, and then went back to this town again, this town again, this town again. Why? Because Romans 10, 17 says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so if faith springs out of the word and you're struggling with doubt and unbelief, go back to the word of God and remind yourself again, what has it said about the situation I'm going through? Just like what Jessica was saying in her announcements, there's so many scriptures in the Bible, if you don't know them, they don't benefit you. Faith doesn't rise out of what you do know, don't know. It rises out of what you do know. And so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Or as the Passion Translation says, faith then is birthed in a heart that responds to God's anointed utterance of the anointed one. It responds. It wants to. As soon as it hears it, saying, I want to believe with you. And if you'll take that faith and use it, something will happen. And so last week we were in John chapter 20, and let's go back there for a minute. In John chapter 20, we have Mary, she goes to the gravesite of Jesus to, to, you know, do what she wants to do, weep, moan, whatever, and she gets there, and Jesus has been raised from the dead, and she meets Jesus and talks to Jesus, and he says, don't touch me, I've not yet ascended unto the Father, and she's so excited, she takes off and she goes back, and she tells the other disciples, and Peter and John, they run to the grave, they don't see Jesus, but they find the empty grave and no one there, and they go back and they tell the other disciples, Jesus has risen from the dead. And so the disciples are all gathered together, and then Jesus shows up in the middle of the room. It's like on Monday night, if you missed it, Paulina was here from Costa Rica, and she was sharing her story about being translated, God protecting her from danger and moving her from one side of the street to the other. You know, we read that a few weeks ago in the book of Acts where Philip was, uh, was baptizing the eunuch, and when they came up out of the water, there was just the eunuch, and Philip had been translated 30 miles away to a Zotus. And so Paulina was here sharing her testimony, how that happened to her. She was being robbed at gunpoint, but she knew her spirit had told her earlier in the day that that was going to happen. And she kept saying, no, I won't be robbed. I will not be robbed. That's not me. She knew her authority and she knew her protection. And so when that man pulled up and tried to take her purse and put a gun in her face, the Lord zapped her to the other side of the road away from him. Why? Because she listened to the, her, this Holy Spirit on the inside. And she exercised faith and authority. And said, no, 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 not me. 
So Jesus, boom, shows up in the middle of the room, and the disciples are all happy, but Thomas is not with them. And so it says the disciples, when Thomas was finally there with them, the other disciples said to him, we have seen the Lord. And he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And I want to remind you of what Thomas is saying here. He's saying to his closest friends, your word is not enough. I don't believe your word. And what he was saying is also to Jesus. Jesus said, I'm going to die and I'm going to come back to, to life. So what he's saying was what Jesus had said to him, I don't believe that that's what's going to happen and I don't believe that's what has happened. He would not take Jesus at his word and he would not take his friends at their word. He was exercising unbelief. He said, I will not believe. And we told you that that is umi pisteo in the Greek, and it is a qualified no. What Thomas was saying is when I see the physical evidence, then I'll believe. And that's how most people's faith. You know what that is? That's natural human faith. That's not the God kind of faith. The God kind of faith calls those things which be not as though they were. Come on, that's what the Bible says, not me calls those things which be not as though they were. And so faith sees it before it sees it in the natural. Faith grabs hold of it before you grab hold of it in the natural. Faith goes and brings those things that God has said he's provided for you into this realm of existence. The book of, uh, of uh, Hebrews in chapter 11, verse 3, tells us that Jesus or God, when he created the earth, he spoke those things which be not into existence. The things that we now see came out of what we do not see. They came out of him. And the things that he said are reality and true, they exist surely, truly in him. And faith grabs hold of what he has said is done. If he said, by his stripes, you were healed, and sickness is saying, I am sick, which one are you going to align to? Your body may be going, I hurt, I hurt, I hurt, but the word of God says, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. And I choose to believe what God has said and what God has done because he paid a high price for it. He took those stripes on his back so that you could be healed. And why should we honor that? Because he didn't need to do that part of it. Going to the cross and dying for your sin would have been enough. But it says he took those stripes for your healing. And so if he thought it was worth it, and he went through that such amazing ordeal to take those stripes and have that skin ripped off, and every one of those stripes was for you and your healing. So Thomas was saying, this is a qualified no. When you prove it to me with my eyes, my ears, my smell, my touch, whatever, then I will believe. But faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Faith goes ahead and says, God, if you said it, I believe it, it is so. Oh, well, Pastor Jordan, you're just telling me to deny what's going on. No, I'm telling you to accept what God has said. Faith doesn't deny that I hurt. Faith accepts 
that Jesus bore it, and I'm not going to hold it on my body. Don't accept things that were not meant for you. I've said this before, don't take possession and ownership. When it comes to sickness, so many people go, oh, my arthritis or my cancer. It says Jesus surely bore those things. And so if he already bore them, why are you holding on to them? Don't take ownership. They're not yours. You may have cancer in your body, but cancer can leave your body. Stop holding on to it. It's not yours. It came from the pit of hell. It came from the devil who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Don't take ownership of his garbage. Return to sender. So faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of not see, things not seen. Where Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we walk by faith and not by sight. And Thomas was saying, I want to see and then I'll believe. That's faith backwards. I like what the Amplified Version says of that verse in verse 7. It says, for we walk by faith. We regulate our lives. Who, who regulates We do, not him. We regulate our lives and conduct ourselves by our conviction or belief, respecting man's relationship to God and divine things, respecting man's relationship with God. Who is man to God? You are his sons and daughters who he created in his image, in his likeness. You are the object of his love and his affection. He lavishes his love upon you. He does not think, oh, they're just those little worms. It's okay if they suffer. No, when my children suffer, I want to run to the rescue and I want to help them. And so we respect that relationship. I am God's son and you are God's daughters and sons. Amen? Amen. With trust and holy fervor, and thus we walk not by sight or appearance. And so when Jesus shows up, and Thomas is finally there present with him, Jesus says to Thomas, reach your finger here, look at my hands, reach your hand here, and put it in my side. And what did he say to him? Oh, you giant faith. (laughs) Oh, you man of such great faith. No, he said, do not be unbelieving, but believing. He didn't praise Thomas's outlook. He chastised him for it. And Thomas answered and said, Oh, my evidence has been, been presented. I believe now, my Lord, my God. And Jesus said, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And so faith takes God at his word. In the situation of Thomas, Jesus said, I'm going to die, but I'm coming back again. So he should have been, that's enough for me, God. I believe it. Jesus, I take you at your word. But when Jesus said to Thomas, don't be unbelieving, what he said is the word epistos, which means without trust in God. Don't live your life without trust in God. So let's look at the opposite side of that. Mark 11, chapter, verse 22 says this, Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. And so if his chastisement to Thomas was, don't live your life without trust in God, here's Jesus' admonition, have faith in God. Put your faith there first. Don't put it in what you can see. Don't put it in what you can touch. Don't put it on what you've heard from other people in this world. Put it in what God has said is true. 
For assuredly, I say to you that whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says will be done, he'll have whatever he says. And so Jesus said, when the mountains of your life rise up before you, go ahead and you deal with them. You deal with them. He said, whoever says to the mountain, what is the mountain before you? Is it a mountain of lack? Is it a mountain of sickness? Does it feel like all the doors of opportunity of your life have been closed before you? Does it seem like it's a, it's a mountain of all the relationships of your life seem to have fallen apart? Go ahead, speak to the mountain and command it to move and don't doubt in your heart. But believe that the words of your mouth actually mean something when aligned with God's words. It says that he that believes those things will be done, he'll have whatever he says. That word doubt there is the word diachrono, which means to separate and make a distinction or to prefer. We often prefer what is comfortable. We prefer what we've known. We prefer what we can touch and what we can see. And God is saying faith prefers the opposite. And those preferences he calls wavering. And when James tells us, if you lack wisdom, ask of God who gives to all men liberally. But he said, let him ask in faith, not doubting, for he who doubts is like a man who looks into the mirror and then turns away and immediately forgets what manner of person he was. He says, let him ask without wavering. Or without doubting. Now, what does doubt look like? Well, we can look at that by looking at what faith looks like. So let's look at Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. You got room for a little bit more this morning? Yes. Romans chapter 4. This is Paul talking about Abraham and Abraham's faith and your faith. We are blessed with faithful Abraham. The same faith that Abraham used is the faith that you use. The same blessing that you access is the same blessing that Abraham had. And here it tells us about our faith in verse four, chapter 4, verse 16. It says, Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace. And so there's a provision of grace. We said this three weeks ago. There's a provision of God. everything God said that you would need for this life. He has provided and you access it by faith. It says there it is a faith according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all seed or all the descendants of Abraham of, by faith. Not only to those who are of the law, but also those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the faith of us all. And it tells us what Abraham was believing on. You know what, the, what Abraham was believing for? He was believing for a kid. God said, you'll be the father of many nations, and he had no kids. How can you have many de nations descend from you if you don't even have a single descendant? And so he was believing for the one. And because God had called him, I have made you a father of many nations. And so here's what Abraham believed about God. In the presence of him who he believed, God, the God who gives life to the dead, and he calls those things which do not exist as though they did. 
That is faith. It takes what the Word of God has said, and it calls it as true. I believe you, God. When you said you have blessed me with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, I believe that right now I'm blessed. You said that you supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I take you at your word, and I thank you, Lord, you have supplied. When you said you have given me all things that pertain to life and godliness, I believe, Lord, that you've given me everything that I need, even if I don't feel it right now, even if I don't see it right now, I believe I go, I have it right now, and it's going to operate in my life. When everybody else is telling me I'm going under, I'm going to go ahead and continue to say that I'm going over, because you said that we overcome in this world by our faith. That's 1 John 5. Who is he who overcomes the word? He who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So I take you at your word, God. And this is what faith looked like for Abraham. You ready? Verse 18. Who contrary to hope, in hope believed. Which means when he should have stopped expecting a kid, he expected even harder. When he got to 99 years of old, people would say, buddy, stop trying, you're way past the age he and hope believed. His expectation was that even in his old age, he would still receive that child that God had promised him. And so he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. And it says, and he was not weak in faith. He wasn't weak in faith. Which, what does that mean? He was strong in faith. And how did that faith look? He didn't consider his own body. Doubt considers the opposite of what God has said. When God says he's supplied all of your needs, and all you do is just keep looking at the bills, and I don't know how I'm going to do this, I'm not going to, I don't know, we just don't have enough. The bank account says we don't have enough. Or you could believe God that he'll supply Doubt considers the opposite of what God has said. Abraham didn't consider his body. He didn't say, body, you're getting old, you're wearing out, we are past the childbearing age, we don't do this anymore. No, he stopped considering his body and he considered the promise instead. Since he was about 100 years old. And he didn't consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. What are you considering? Last week, we looked at Peter getting out on the water. Jesus comes walking on the water, up and down the waves. The storm is going hard. The wind is blowing. It's going up and down, up and down. And they see Jesus, and they go, Ah, it's a ghost. And Jesus said, Hey, guys, it's okay. It's just me. And Peter says to him, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. And Jesus says, Come. So Peter jumps out of the boat, and he gets walking. He's walking on the water. It's a miracle. Jesus walked on the water. So did Peter. But the next verse says, Then when Peter saw the waves and saw the wind, he began to sink. Why? Doubt was entering in as he was considering the other factors. Look at that wind blow. That's a big wave. It's crashing down on me. But when he was locked on Jesus, he didn't care about the wind. He didn't care about the waves, and he was walking on the water. So, faith considers God, 
and his word. Doubt considers all the other buts. But this, but that. Don't know how it's going to happen. It's okay. Consider Jesus. And it says he didn't waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God because he was fully convinced that what God had promised, he was able to perform. What God has promised, he is able to perform. What God has promised, he is able to perform because you're not the doer, he is. You're the believer. You're the believer. So, my message today with doubt and unbelief is stop considering everything else. What has God promised? What's going on in your life? Find the scripture. What does it say about that situation? And then start considering that. Start speaking that. Start locking onto that. Start responding to that. Go ahead and start acting that out and stop considering everything else. Because doubt and unbelief are the thief of God's blessings. They stop the hand of God. And God didn't call you to have your blessings blocked. He called you to walk in blessings. Amen? Hallelujah. So Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can honor it above all other information. We thank you that we can honor it above all other input, that we know that your word is true. Just as sure, just as sure, just as sure as I know I'm going to heaven when I leave this life is just as sure as what you said I'm blessed with here in this time is how it is. And so, Lord, I will cling to your promise and I will cling to your blessings that I will not settle for less. For the enemy has tried to sway some of you in your thinking. He has tried to push you from side to side because he wants you to do the opposite of being locked on Jesus. But do not consider his ways. Do not consider his input for it is not my input and my input is the only one that matters, says the Lord. And so, Father, we thank you for your word. We hold fast to it without wavering. We don't waver to the left or the right. Lord, we believe what you have said, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, in just a moment, our Word Care team is going to be up here at the front, and they would love to believe with you, agree with you, celebrate with you, testify with you, lay hands on you. Whatever it is that you need, go ahead and avail yourself of them. Don't leave here with the same problem you came in with. God came to relieve that burden off your back. Amen? Pastor Robin. Amen. You know, when we started the church back in the early 2000s, um, it was my mandate to take whoever would participate and um, teach them how to live by faith, how to walk by faith, how to believe for themselves, um, how to, you know, just live out the gospel. And um, I could say probably in the next 15 years, I hardly had to pray for anyone for anything because everyone started to learn how to believe for themselves, receive for themselves. And so, you know, it's, and this is getting to be the same way here with the Word Care team. You know, we, we could be up here. We don't get a lot of participation. And I believe that's because we're learning how to believe for ourselves. 
to be a, a, a participant. And this is what the Lord gave me when Pastor Jordan was just speaking. He said, we need to be a, have a proactive life, being a participant, not passive. And it's not an ideology. That's a religion that is dead. We are living epistles of Christ, it says in 2 Corinthians 3.3. 3. We're living epistles. So if you're looking for a religion, there's lots of other churches around that could give you that. But if you're looking to live your life as a Christian, as, a, as to who God has made you to be, to receive for yourself, then this is the place for you. Amen? Amen? Amen. Glory be to God. And so we're going to continue to participate and with uh, our giving. And uh, you can give online this way, wordchurch.ca forward slash give, or there's an envelope in the pew. And... Um, and uh, there's a basket at the back. Uh, let's do this confession. This, this confession, if you've never seen it before, and you have heard it before, this is, this is a, uh, I think every part of this thing I've received in my life. And it's because I chose to be a tither and a giver. And then so the Lord has blessed us in, you know, with, with the, all these different favors. But the first statement here is souls and more souls. So as I give offerings, as I tithe and give offerings, I believe in the Lord for souls and more souls. Well, that, that's the number one. And it says in uh, Matthew 6, I believe it is, Matthew 6, 33. No, I didn't want it. I don't want that. Um, it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And so that's what we're doing. When you're giving, you're seeking the kingdom of God. Amen? We're seeking this, souls and more souls, because that's God's heart. I mean, that's why he sent Jesus. Because he wants souls and more souls. You know, God so loved the world, the whole world. You know, it's not his will that anyone should perish, but all should find repentance and be saved. Amen? Amen. So let's go on. Souls and more souls. Jobs and better jobs. Raises and bonuses. Benefits, sales, and commissions. Favorable settlements. Estates and inheritance. Interest and income. Rebates and returns, discounts and dividends, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills decreased, bills paid off, blessings and increases. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs. I may have more than enough to give to the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. Woo, glory. I, you know, obviously, we're a word church. Original name of the church, Word of Faith Fellowship. And I just love faith messages. And I wish everyone could have been at their uh, Monday services because that's a, that's a faith meetings. We had prayer, we had healing, we had the word, and we had our faith released. Amen? Wow, it was, it was a great time. You are blessed. Let's have a little bit of fellowship and coffee. Amen?